Episode 5 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on September 14, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. especially when it comes to expansions, is always on players' minds, and Eric Musco addresses that in the official forums. And finally this week, I take a look at a day in the life of HK-55. Can you say, killing meatbags? And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 5 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the week. And I really don't have anything other than just your standard dark versus light update. Yes, just in case you weren't aware, the event is still going on in-game and in that epic battle to acquire Darth Hexid and Master Ranos, the light side maintains its lead. In fact, the lead has increased a little bit since last week. And I'm, I'm ready to call it now. I may have called it last week. I'm not really sure. But I would say, guys, get ready to receive Master Ranos, the light side, uh, a companion, the female Chiss. Because the light side is leading at 52.91% with the dark side trailing at 47.09 and that gap just increases a little bit every week so there you go i look forward to getting master ranos unless someone you guys get really bored and decide to go in there and go all dark side and everything i think that's how that one's going to turn out all right well that's that's the only announcement i had for this week so let's slice the hollow net and review the news this week and nothing really official other than the New York uh, Comic-Con Cantina Tour is scheduled for October the 7th. That's less than a month away, and it's where we can expect to get all of the official details on Knights of the Eternal Throne. In fact, Eric Musco took to the forums this week and talked a little bit about communication. Um, and this is what he had to say. He said, hey, folks, I thought this thread was a good opportunity to talk about the communication as of late. Although I may not post every day, I'm definitely here reading the forums. I know that there is frustration right now because you are all eager to learn more about what is coming in Knights of the Eternal Throne. We just aren't ready to talk about Eternal Throne yet, and so I can't answer your questions at this time. But I do want to make sure you know when we will begin really talking about Eternal Throne. That date is October 7th. The day slash night of our New York Comic Con Cantina is when you can expect details about Eternal Throne. Once we have crossed the 7th and through launch, I will be able to address questions in the forums more directly. We will be posting developer blogs related to the expansion and more. I know this post is an announcement of an announcement, but we're almost there only a few more weeks. Thanks everyone. And he went on to add some additional things later on in the thread, uh, some things that might be a little bit of interest. 
uh, regarding Knights of the Eternal Throne. He said, keep in mind that Eternal Throne is a continuation of the story in Knights of the Fallen Empire. There are things that are not yet wrapped up or completed, and that is intentional. You aren't through the whole story yet. Yeah, and then that's fine. Like I said, I, I might have done this in episode one or two. I can't remember which one of these, which one of the podcasts it was. But I felt that the fact that they did not rush to wrap up the Knights of the Knights of the Fallen Empire storyline in Chapter 16 was actually a good thing. And the fact that they're planning to carry the story forward and hopefully wrap it up in a very meaningful way in Knights of the Eternal Throne, that's good. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. In fact, I think this is going to be a topic for a future podcast because I've sort of been thinking about what do I want to get out of the Knights of the Eternal Throne storyline. And like I said, I want to save this for another podcast, but the highlight is I'd kind of like to see the whole Zakul storyline wrapped up within the first nine chapters. You know, if it's going to be 16 chapters again, assuming the same format as Knights of the Fallen Empire, I'd love to see the whole thing with Zakul and Arkan and Valen and Scorpio. I'd love to see all of that get wrapped up in the first eight or nine chapters. And then I would love it if we kind of shifted away from Zakul and the focus became on Valkorion and then the Empire and the Republic. And I'd love to see us kind of get back into the uh, the core worlds, if you will, of, of the galaxy. But then again, that's a, that's a topic for, for another day. He also talked about Sky Troopers and he said the feedback of killing Sky Troopers has definitely been passed on to the team and they are aware. So the good news is we probably won't spend a lot of time in Knights of the Eternal Throne killing Sky Troopers. The bad news is we'll probably be spending a lot of the time killing something else, right? I mean, what else are you going to do? I, I mean, that 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 if I were a designer or a developer, that's what I would do. Yep, you don't like Sky Troopers? No problem. We'll remove the Sky Troopers and here you go. Here are a bunch of droids. Here are a bunch of soldiers. Here are a bunch of something else that you can now go and grind through and kill on your way to the next cinematic. Further on in the thread, some people went on and, and said that not, you know, sort of said, look, I understand you don't want to talk about Knights of the Eternal Throne, but not all of the questions are related to Knights of the Eternal Throne, and to which Eric Musco replied, in uh, some of the topics, and some of the guy pointed out, you know, some of these topics, you want to talk about guild management, PvP balance, player choice, and Eric Musco said, yes, those are all topics I feel we have talked about quite a bit, but I think those tend to be conversations that happened around cantinas. They may not be as prominent on the forums, and he said, you know, guild management is something that we are always looking to improve. Guild quality of life is important. And although I have nothing specific to announce, this is always a place we are looking for opportunities. And that's that's fine. You know, when the game was launched, prior to, to the game being launched, on the official website at the time, they had a whole section where you could uh, basically join a guild. You could search for a guild. You could, you know... Uh, request to join a guild it was it was actually kind of a neat thing and i hadn't actually seen any other mmos do something quite like that outside of the game so they actually had a whole looking for guild tool on their website and then once the game was launched it went away and i never really understood why they didn't spend the time to kind of flesh that out they they don't really have much in the way of external 
features, if you will, like anything on the external site. They don't have an armory site where you can look up characters and so forth, kind of like what World of Warcraft does. And they don't have any kind of way to search for guilds and things outside of the game. So I always thought like the web tools um, are, are an area that they would have invested some time in there, especially since they actually had one before the game launched for, for finding and joining a guild. So maybe, maybe they'll bring something like that back. Um, but but just curious that, they, they, that that was something that went away. Uh, PvP balance, really any balance is an ongoing thing. This is, again, this is what Eric Musco had to say. He said, we are always looking at the current state of the game and what needs to change. We have an expansion coming. And if you look at previous expansions as an example, they typically come with changes. I don't really PvP much, so yeah, you know, and I get it. I always feel like that's an ongoing conversation, a never-ending conversation. And then he talked about player choice. Player choice is an interesting topic. Knights of the Fallen Empire, in many ways, had more impact for your choices than our previous stories. One of the pieces of feedback we saw is that sometimes you may make a choice, but not see the consequences until much later on. And he pointed to Koth. He said, this can definitely lessen the feeling that those choices had impact, since the choice and impact of that choice were far apart. Let me just touch upon this for a little bit. And and and. Part of that problem, one of the additional challenges is you don't always, at least for me, I don't always remember what choice I made on a specific character. And at one point, I actually had a little spreadsheet where I tried to make, well, A, tried to identify what I thought were the significant choices, and then B, tried to make a point of, you know, which ones did I make, in part because I wanted to keep track of all that. And two, I wanted to see the whole thing play out on different characters. I wanted to, you know, just kind of make sure I've made every possible choice so I could see every permutation since i have like 20 plus characters i didn't maintain that very well um but that was part of the problem as i went through and played the story on multiple characters on different characters i would started to lose track of what some of the big choices were in 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 simple things like did i kneel did i not kneel and 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 so forth so that's part of the problem i think the other issue is like you said we didn't really see the impact of those choices play out right away and it's entirely possible that some of those choices we made way in the beginning that we may forget about we won't see come to bear until knights of the eternal throne maybe it's something that happens towards the end of the story it's not at all clear so that that's i think part of the frustration um and then the choices too and again this is a topic i have planned for a later show to talk about choice and meaningful choice and what is and isn't a meaningful choice and what me what what leads to a meaningful choice so i'm not going to get into that right now because i'll really get way off track but he is right about one thing player choice is indeed an interesting topic and i'll be curious to see how they change that or improve that moving forward in knights of the eternal throne and then he talked about uh developer feedback and he says developer feedback is something that waxes and wanes a bit where we have the opportunity to seek out feedback and for players to engage with developers we try to take it previous conversations around class changes are the best examples i know it is an ongoing but we try to capitalize on those opportunities as we can i just don't understand why this has to be kept under lock and key i've said this before and i understand the need to protect the story and spoilers. But a lot of things have to be set in stone right now. And you know in this day and age, 
especially if there's a uh, PTS and there's a closed PTS and you've got players playing on it, you know it's going to be leaked. So why not go with the flow and get ahead of it and engage in that kind of discussion, especially for things like class changes? And, you know, that's just my feeling. And obviously the folks at Bioware have their reasons for doing 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 things the way they do. I just don't fully understand it. And, you know, that's just me. But I just don't see the harm in saying, hey, this is what we have planned for our classes and seek that feedback while you're still in the development process because by the time they go to announce this stuff on October 7th, you have to think that they're going to be pretty much done with the expansion. They're just going to be, you know, dotting some T's and crossing some I's and hopefully it's not going to be more than a month away from the release when they announce it, you know. So why not announce some of these changes and bring it to the attention of the entire player base while you're still in the development process and can garner some feedback and part of it is well reading about changes and versus actually getting in there and playing some of these changes it's kind of hard to really sometimes what you read and what you see when you play it are two entirely different experiences and different things i kind of understand that but player base is pretty smart and they can read tool tips and things and get the gist of what the new rotations are going to be and how the classes are going to play and they could very easily give you some feedback but anyway that's just my little bit of a rant on the idea of not wanting to release information regarding regarding knights of the eternal throne until october the 7th what i did want to talk about today though was the hk 55 chapter the shroud of memory that was released on september the 7th Now, I only played through it one time, but it was really, really good, and it was definitely as advertised. And when you look at some of the characters in Star Wars, the Old Republic, or from the Old Republic era, and and you think of uh, Star Wars in general and the lore of Star Wars, I mean, I think there's probably at least two characters from Star Wars, the Old Republic, who have earned a spot in the official lore of Star Wars. And I would say if you were to, you know, look at the Old Republic and canonize anyone, it it would have to be Revan, right? Revan would be the first guy, the first character that you look at to say, okay, yeah, this guy should probably be somewhere in the canon of Star Wars. Of course, if you do that, there's a whole host of other characters that support Revan that would be hard not to have, such as Malak and Bastila Shan. Uh, for example, and, and, and others, mainly like the main companions that you get, at least in the original Knights of the Old Republic story, but, but never never mind that for now. But the other character that I think has probably earned a spot in the official lore of Star Wars, it's the HK series of droids. And I just love these, all the characters, whether it's HK-47, HK-51, and now HK-55. I mean, they're essentially the same character, although Bioware has done a pretty good job of giving them little personality differences that they, when you're out with HK-51, you feel like HK-51 is different than HK-47, who's different than HK-55. So I think they've done a pretty good job of, 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 of that. And I think these, you know, these, these droids, they're just a lot of fun. They, they've got a sense of humor they're they've got a, a twisted sense of humor. They're 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 deadly. 
they're psychotic and they're uh, you know provide some very amusing moments in Star Wars: The Old Republic. And I just think they're they're wonderfully developed characters. And so when I look at some of the new uh, stories that are coming out for Star Wars in general, I look at you know Chuck Wendig's Aftermath, and he created this droid character, Mister Bones. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story coming out in December, has a brand new droid character. And I just can't help but think, I wish these guys, instead of creating something new, and I know everyone wants to bring something new to the table, but I wish instead they would do an HK series droid. And it wouldn't be hard to do, right? I know it's thou- they're thousands of years old, but there's no reason you just couldn't find one laying around and switch it on. It's a droid. It's not... You know, it's not an organic meat bag. It's a it's 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 a droid. It's a machine. So I think you could easily fit the HK series droid into Star Wars somewhere, and I would just love to see that because I really enjoy uh, the character. And, and which is, you know, so what does that have to do with the HK fifty five story? Well, it was just very cool for me to be able to play as HK fifty five in the Shroud of Memory. Uh, I thought the chapter was very well done um it was lighter the story itself was very light it was full of humorous moments which i'll get to in a moment and it offered something different you got to play as hk 55 and i thought they did a pretty good job of giving you a number of abilities to use and there was plenty of time for example to sit there and mouse over each one read the tooltips understand what they did and even build some semblance of a rotation, although you really didn't need a rotation. The chapter, I don't think it was intended to be that difficult. Um, It was a little bit tough in a couple of spots, especially the end boss, which was another battle, you battling another HK uh, droid, really another version of HK-55. But I, and I died uh, one or two times of that. But here's why, I think, because when... Even though you got to play as HK-55, you were still your character. And so if you looked, uh, if you pulled up the character sheet, you would see your character with all of its gear, um, which in my case was almost none of my gear. And here's one of the problems I have with the outfit designer, although I think it's a great feature. Um, It hides the fact that you may or may not be wearing any actual gear. And one of the things that I like to do is for things like uh, wrists, belts, chest, boots, and even weapons, I use legacy gear. And that way I can pass around this gear to other tunes, which is great if you have, like, for example, my main tune is a mercenary. And I have an alt mercenary, so I can give that alt all of this gear and they can have a full six-piece set bonus and pretty, pretty high-level gear without actually having to work for it which in this case is exactly what I had done. I had given my alt all of my gear, including weapons. I did have a couple of weapons equipped, but all they had were crystals in there. They didn't have any of the other enhancements or mods or even a barrel for that matter. So as a result, my stats, I was woefully understated at least and undergeared. And I'm guessing, because I've only played it once, I haven't tried to try to playing on a geared tune, that the gear actually mattered a little bit, although I got through it, except for that one fight, just fine. It was a little bit slow at points, but I was actually able to progress through it without any issues. There was also a little bit of confusion in the beginning 
because when you logged into the game, if you qualified for the chapter, and by the way, to do that, you had to have been subscribed, I think, from January on through August. And if you were had maintained your subscription, you this was your subscriber bonus. So when you logged into the game, your character had an in-game mail telling you to check your mission log, and that's where you'd find the mission. Well, I checked my mission log, and it was nowhere to be found. So I deleted some sort of old and obsolete quests in there. I'm figuring maybe that would trigger something. It was long shot, to be sure. So finally I went to the official forums, and there was a post saying, no, this was the email was wrong. You actually had to go to your ship into your priority mission console, and that's where you got the mission. So that's what I did. And then I played the chapter, and you just, you know, you get the play button like you would any other chapter from Knights of the Fallen Empire. Now, the story does take place during Knights of the Fallen Empire, and probably, I think it's sometime after you would have done the quest to have gotten HK-55 back, but it's not really related to the story per se. You don't really learn too much new about what's happening with Arkin and Valen and Scorpio and all that stuff. It's really about the Shroud. And in this case, the Shroud seems to have the same motivations or similar similar motivation as Scorpio, which is to say, not that Scorpio wanted to rule the galaxy per se, but she wanted Zakul out of the way. I mean, he's even worse. He wants Zakul, he wants to get Zakul out of the way. He needs the this our alliance to be out of the way and the empire to be out of the way and the republic. He just needs everybody gone so he could be. I guess the ruler of the galaxy of nothing, but that's kind of his game. The point is it's a similar sort of game as to what Scorpio was trying to do. So the story takes place, and you see the Shroud infiltrating our base on Odessin and just planning to blow it up. And there's cutscenes where you see him lurking about putting little explosive planting bombs in various strategic locations, including the war room, uh, our ship, and so forth. And it's kind of cool. You see him walking around the base and, you know, walking by. And you see some of the, your other characters like Lana and I think Theron perhaps. But, but you get the gist. You get the idea. So not bad. Other than that, the story itself was a little bit confusing in that you get this companion droid, uh, Zio. The, the full acronym is Zoom, but people refer to, refer to her, her, and it's a her, as Zio, which I think Zio is much, much better than Zoom, by the way. And I, I really like this companion. This is probably a companion that I will use on a fairly regular basis. Uh, she was kind of annoying at first. Uh, uh, how would I put it? Maybe Ditsy is kind of it. She, she has this glitch, right, where she um, periodically has her, her memory, like, automatically. She reboots. She has, like, a system reboot, and her memory gets wiped. And that's what happens. And then she can't remember what she did, you know, a few moments before. And it's amusing. And she has uh, some other little quirks about her. But I thought she was going to be annoying. And I didn't think I was going to like her. But I actually did like her. And I liked her little emote where she just, you know, shoots things and says, you know, pew, 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 pew. That was something I thought I was going to hate. Like, you know, nails on a chalkboard kind of thing. But I, but I, it was fine. I, fine. I hope she does it when I take her out fighting, which I haven't really done yet. But... Since we're talking about the Shroud, there's always some sort of deception involved. And I think, I think, and this is how confusing this some of this stuff with the Shroud can be. I think she is the Shroud, or in this case, was the Shroud. I get that impression. Because at the end, you confront the, the person that we thought was the Shroud. And they're like, hey, hey, I'm not the Shroud. I'm just like, you know, a paid double. I'm like the X number iteration of 
the shroud and that you know the droid is the one in charge here so again we don't know if that person who said he was the whatever iteration of the shroud was the actual shroud trying to throw misdirection towards the droid it's a little bit confusing i think it was designed to be a little bit confusing but my i get i think she was the shroud and this this might be we might be done with the shroud now as there's only might have the shroud as the companion the shroud might have been this droid and now can't remember that they were the shroud but that was standing the story was actually pr- pr- pretty pretty good um let me talk about the combat for a minute as i and i think i may have mentioned this a few minutes ago <clears throat> that the abilities were good you had time to get used to the abilities and they were fine they were fun they were they, they, they weren't bad they, they were you know there was some aoe stuff there was some stuff you could knock uh characters back they had some where you could leap forward and you know overall it was was pretty good and i think that this is probably a test bed of some kind and i'm pretty sure that we're going to see more i don't know if there'll be full-blown chapters but we might get more instances like this in knights of the eternal throne where we get to play as other characters like an HK-55, not necessarily HK-55, but probably something different, and we'll get a new set of abilities and whatever. I hope it's not a full-blown chapter, because I would hate to see a chapter kind of wasted on those types of things, but I wouldn't mind uh, a quest or two or some aspect of a chapter where we'd have to, have to do that. That would certainly be my preference. So overall, the combat was fine. There was an underwater uh zone i guess you would call it there was one part where we actually go under the water now there was no swimming there was no floating it was pretty much like being indoors or on land or something but you know maybe you might have walked a little bit slower but that that was interesting and i don't know if we'll see something like that again it it, it would have felt weird if we had been our regular characters you know a non-droid species doing this but as a droid you know walking on the on the ocean floor seemed okay and then the npcs that you had to fight were of the aquatic variety for example you had selkath and mon calamari and, and and nautilans as well so that was that was a little bit different a little bit different i don't know if that's something that we'll see uh moving forward in knights of the eternal throne possibly yeah, so, so the combat was good i mean it was wasn't anything earth shattering but it, it was good and it was it was fun and appropriate for hk55 the story itself was very light and full of amusing and funny moments. There, there's an area you go into and you see a lot of like droid heads um, from very familiar droids like HK-47, uh, 2V, uh, and so forth. And they're, they're replicas of the, not the actual droids, but they're replicas. And you end up destroying them all. You have this funny moment where you have to tell HK-47 he's not the real thing. And like I said, all the droids get destroyed and... HK-55, for example, is lamenting the loss of all of them, except maybe 2V, as he says. And, you know, and little, little, lots, of, lots of humorous moments. There is a scene involving an exarch of Zakul. And I think you're presented with, a, if I remember this correctly, a couple of dark, a couple options, a light side option and a dark side option. Dark side is uh, you, you get to just kill the, the exarch. The light side option uh, is to bring them along as sort of a companion on, on, on the rest of your adventure. And I chose that option. I don't know what happens if you choose the dark side option. I, mean, I hope it reverts to you bringing them along as a companion because just flat out killing them or even having to fight them seems really boring 
compared to the other option, which is just amazing, right? I mean, Star Wars The Old Republic is littered with great story moments, and I've never really tried to rank them. But I'm sure you you possibly, if you were to rank the the great story moments and highlights, this one would I would I would have to be in the top three. This this deal with the X artist, she follows as you know, and it's a woman, and she follows you along on the journey. And you know, I'm not going to spoil it in case you didn't check uh, choose that option. Even though I've the rest of this discussion has been littered with spoilers, I actually that's how good this moment was. And I don't want to spoil it. But you know, when you talk about laugh out loud funny. It is not hyperbole. For me, this was a laugh-out-loud funny moment when she goes on and on about her destiny and visions and the Force and all this kind of stuff. And it's just just wonderful. So whoever came up with that idea, it's really, that was awesome. And I hope this, you know, this person, whoever wrote that, uh, is in charge of writing all the funny bits and pieces that we might see in Knights of the Eternal Throne. Because you know what? Star Wars The Force Awakens was funny. I mean, it wasn't a comedy, but there was lots of amusing moments. And the idea of humor being part of Star Wars and being part of a Star Wars story is very much a fact, I guess, for lack of a better word. And there were there were, there were humorous moments in Knights of the Fallen Empire. Some great scenes, for example, when uh, Koth is on the bridge and, you know, they're talking about asylum, right? And he's, he's piloting the ship and he says, you know, someone asks about asylum and he says, well, we'll be among friends. And then Senya walks onto the bridge and he goes, mostly. I mean, you know, little funny quips like that. And that, and you find plenty of that in Star Wars The Force Awakens. So the idea of having these amusing and humorous uh, bits in Knights of the Eternal Throne, it would be not only fun, but it would be expected and it would be appropriate for a Star Wars story. So I really, really just funny, laugh-out-loud moment. And I'll probably choose the other option just to see what happens, but on other characters that I play through this, I will always choose that option, and that will probably always make me laugh. Because like I said, when I think of... I'm trying to think of great story moments where this would rank up with... uh, The Republic Trooper, for example, has a wonderful story moment where you're in the Senate and you go to make a light side, dark side choice. There's senators on trial and you realize the senator's a traitor and you have the option to just shoot them in this very public, uh, very official setting. And that is a great option. I mean, that was one of my favorite moments going through. Not That's probably my favorite moment of the trooper story, one of my favorite moments of any class story. And, you know, this is, this is right up there with it. So I... Uh, Hats off to whoever came up with that. And that's really about it. Like I thought, the HK-55 story was a nice nice little diversion, a nice little add-on, if you will. And it was, it was, it was well done. And mechanically, I would expect to see more of this type of stuff going forward in Knights of the Eternal Throne. And, and that said, I wouldn't even mind if they were to open this up uh, maybe as something you could purchase from the cartel market because it would be nice for other players to have an opportunity to, to, to see this and even to pick up Zio as a companion. So I would not at all be upset or offended or annoyed if they were to un, uh, make this available in the cartel market somehow. I think that would be a very good option. So that's it. That's the HK55 storyline, and I'm going to go now play it again after I do this podcast. And with that, it's time to cue up the music. And if you're still listening, that means you have managed to survive another half hour or so listening to episode five of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. 
You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SOTORpodcast.com. And then there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe directly to the podcast. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SOTORpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SOTORpodcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. Tune in next week for episode six. And remember, the Sith Code, cake is a lie.